We're in this series talking about thriving in God's will. God's will is very simple. It's not complicated at all. Now, our lives can get complicated, and understanding God's uh, particular plan for our life can sometimes be complicated, but uh, when we're walking in God's general will, it's there that he reveals his specific will for our lives. And lots of ways to describe God's general will. Here at Living Hope, we use the disciples' cross. At the center is gathering for worship. At the base is equipping for growth. At the height, there is making more disciples in the arms, are, are connecting in groups and, and serving the church and world. Last week, we talked about the importance of gathering for worship. And I'm so grateful for the technology. I know that many of our people are, are homesick, many are quarantined. And so we're, we're glad that we have this technology. But at the same time, we know there's nothing quite like being in the room together. Uh, being uh, in, in the fellowship and singing praise to God. I, I love watching football on TV, but I was at the Titans game live last night and it's, it just is different. It smells different, I'll tell you that. It is a different experience. But gathering for worship here is so great because I, I hear your voices. Isn't it a blessing to hear each other sing? To see one another sing? To hear children misbehave in church, isn't it? It's just... It's just, it just encourages our heart because when I misbehave, it makes me feel better about, about my own life. But it, it's so encouraging to see you, to, to know that this matters. What you're saying by being here today is this matters. It's important. Some of you know more than others why it matters. Uh, some of you have a drug problem. You've been drugged to church and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But, but, but here we are and, and we're together and there's so much that, that happens in this gathering. But there's certain things that can only happen amongst friends in, in, in a group where there's just a few talking about our life together. We, we have so many of our, of our members that are connected in connect groups and we need many more to lead them. That's, that's one of the things we're lacking is are those who are willing to lead. Oftentimes we have more people who are willing to participate than those who are willing to lead, which is always a challenge. And this morning, I'm hoping that some of you will be challenged to lead and that some of you also will be uh, willing to step in and make the investment because it will change your life. Here's some testimonies. Let's watch these together. We belong to uh, Mark Gillum's small group, and we have been part of that for, uh, I think, 10 years now. And uh, there's, there's four other couples that are in it uh, with us, and it's, it's just been a blessing for us. Um, the Gillums and the Moorheads are really the original ones that, that are still there, and we've brought in more people over the years. And uh, it, it's, it's an interesting makeup of, of individuals from all walks of life, some with kids, some without. We're called by God and by Christ to be part of a family, and that's, that's basically what that, that small group has become. It's just an extension of our small little family. When I was single and still trying to figure out um, where I wanted my life to go and my next steps that I wanted to take spiritually um, or professionally, somewhere to go once a week um, with other people that are in the same stage of life is super helpful. They're there for you in the good and the bad times. And our small group has been there um, when we've gone through some hard and some really good times. And so we are thankful for them because they're our family. When people go through different seasons of life, it, you really see 
their whole perspective <laughs> change, uh, their spiritual life, you know, the physical world that we're in, you know, their career changes as well. And so being able to kind of share that almost dot for dot with someone is really incredible. And seeing, you know, people that you really truly love and care about just grow um, in their life as well. Marcy and I could not agree on a name. Cindy Gillum in our small group who came up with the, with the name Canaan and suggested that to and us. And Megan. Don't and leave so out that was, it was part of that small group that helped us uh, to name, name our child son. because we cannot agree. So you do need a small group in those times in your marriages when you cannot agree on a name. <laughs> yeah. My mom passed away very tragically and suddenly, you know, the, the, the phone calls started coming in immediately after everybody had heard about it and just the, the outpourings of love, prayer, and that's, that's what small groups are about, is being there during the best moments of your life and sometimes the worst. Small groups are a very social thing in a, in a, in a church, but the reason for that is because iron sharpens iron. And part of that is kind of telling yourself, okay, maybe getting to know a bunch of new people, that's going to be a little bit awkward at first. That's just how we are. But the long-term benefits from that for your spiritual life, uh, it is life-changing in, in every great possible way. Without my small group, I wouldn't have some of the best friends in, in my life. I mean, we talk every day. We text prayer requests, we cry together, we laugh together. I mean, we do life together. God's will is that we be in relationships so that we can live out the biblical one another's. There's a whole slew of these. I read a few. Love one another. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another. Give in, uh, live in harmony with one another. Accept one another. Then just as Christ accepted you, instruct one another. Serve one another in love. Carry each other's burdens. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Bear with each other. Admonish one another. Encourage each other. Build each other up. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other. Offer hospitality to one another. These are some of the real simple ways that that we are to connect together. Again, that doesn't happen in a large group. It doesn't happen with a thousand people. It happens with a few. At Living Hope, we have different kinds of groups. Uh, We have connect groups, and and those are a little bit larger, eight to 12. Uh, Then we have fight clubs and flourish groups. Those are gender-based fight clubs for men, two to four guys, and then you know, women, uh, two to four women get together in a flourish group. And, and these provide us the opportunity to live out what we call the DNA. Every group lives out this very simple DNA. Discover God's word. Nurture the life of hope. Advance the mission of God. Every time we get together, we've got to discover God's word. We've got to dig into it. We've got to understand what it means so that we can be set free by it. We, we need to be transformed by God's word. We need to nurture one another. We, we need to speak truth into one another's lives with compassion and grace and care. We need to challenge each other, forgive each other. We need to stand with one another. And then we've got to advance the gospel. We've got to advance this hope that we've been given. We, we have uh, this responsibility to gather and scatter, 
gather and scatter. That's what you see in the, 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 the Bible as it explains our life together. We gather, then we go out and we're to go and we're to make disciples and we're to come back together and, and to be able to care for each other, encourage one another. This happens in groups and there are so many significant relationships that get formed so that care and shepherding and the life that God has called us to can be lived out. Our text today, it describes, it describes what we are to be and what God is doing when we gather in a group. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. Let's all stand together as Poppy comes and reads our scripture for us today. Again, we're in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 uh, through 22. Go ahead and read that. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in him. You are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. If you would go ahead and be seated. Thank you, Poppy. The church at Ephesus was was precious to the Apostle Paul. Uh, Scripture teaches us that the Apostle spent three years shepherding that congregation. It is said that there were no people left that had not heard something of the gospel Uh, That is that God had come and died for sins and been raised and will soon be returning. He loved this church. And so it was no surprise when he sent his protege, Timothy, the, the, the one he invested so much in to go and pastor the church at Ephesus. And what you read in, in the, in the book of the Bible, first Timothy, uh, those are Paul's instructions to this young pastor caring for this church that he had a, a deep passion and love for. One of the last actions that he uh, did before he was imprisoned was to meet with the Ephesian elders. Let me encourage you today to go back and read Acts chapter 20. In Acts chapter 20, what we have there are the words that the apostle spoke to the Ephesian elders uh, before he was imprisoned. And he he had a very significant concern. He anticipated that there would be wolves that would come from within the congregation that would divide the church. And so he challenged them to be mindful that they would have to be faithful to God's word and to sound doctrine and to care for one another and hold to the unity of the believers of the church. And so when you look at Ephesians, so let's do that for just a second. I mean, what you see in chapters one through three, you're seeing doctrine. The apostle wanted them to make sure that they understood what was true. I mean, this, this description, uh, look at verses uh, 3 through 14. This is one of the best explanations of, of what salvation is and how it works. And, and there in chapter 2, again, it, it talks about the unity we have in Christ, how we are saved through faith. It talks about the mystery of the gospel being revealed and the, and, and the need for spiritual strength. But then in chapter 4, 4 through 6, we have this section that is practical. We have this whole conversation about what is this new life? How do we live it out? How do we walk in love? Chapter five explains how we're to be married. 
Chapter six talks about how we are to battle spiritually. How do we handle spiritual warfare? What are our weapons? What is the armor that we need to put on? How do we need to think about spiritual warfare? And so what you have here is this overview of doctrine and then an overview of how we are to live it out. Paul was impressing upon these people the importance of unity because the enemy, the evil one, is constantly seeking to divide the church. Living hope is constantly under attack. We are under attack every single day by the evil one seeking to divide us. And in the last 16 to 18 months, we have experienced unbelievable division within this congregation. If it wasn't just the pandemic, I mean, if it was just the pandemic, that would be hard enough. But now we have these battles over masks versus no mask, over vax versus non-vax. And so we've got these arguments erupting within our congregation. You take politics, huh? Man, I am sick and tired of breaking up fights between elephants and donkeys. It's just getting old. On top of that, just problems. Just, th- th- listen, there are going to be problems. We are all people who sin. And look, if you're looking for the perfect church, this is not one. And if you find it, don't any of you join it because you'll mess it up. Because ain't nobody in here perfect. Listen, there are always going to be problems. There are always going to be difficulties. God is not surprised by this. The apostle wasn't surprised by this. That's why he told them, get ready. Get ready for the divisions. Get ready for those who are going to come and try to divide the church on what we are to believe. Don't be surprised by it, but do everything you can to be able to guard the unity of the church. And we do that by loving one another by being able to care for one another, to experience all of these one another's. We must not allow our church to be divided. And what holds us together are those groups. Listen, don't be surprised that we're in an ocean of challenges and pain and problems. We're like a, we're like a ship in the, in the middle of this massive ocean of, of all kinds of pain and problems with the pandemic and politics and other problems. And that's fine. It's fine for us to be in the ocean. When things are going to get bad is when we allow that ocean to get into our life. When we allow those waters, those troubled waters to get into the ship that is living hope and divide us, that's what's going to sink us. We've got to hold together. We've got to hold together in Christ. And we do that best in groups as we love one another. We, we, we've got to stand strong. We cannot be divided. Remember, Jesus did not pray that we would be taken out of the ocean of problems and pain. Jesus prayed that, that we would be protected from the division of the work of the evil one. Let me give you another assignment. On top of Acts uh, chapter 20, I want to challenge you today to go and read one, one of the most powerful and precious prayers that Jesus prayed for his people. It's in John chapter 17. It's called the high priestly prayer. This comes on the night when Jesus was about to die for our sin. And what you read in chapters 14 through 16 of the gospel of John is the explanation of the coming paraclete, the coming of the Holy Spirit and how he's going to help us. But then Jesus goes into this powerful prayer in John 17, describing the importance of loving each other. And how it is God wants us to be unified. Again, friends, 
That doesn't mean we're not going to have problems. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have disagreements. We are. That's why God gives so much space in his Bible, speaking to the need to be able to deal with what's going on, to be able to love one another, to stay together, to stick to this relationship. And these relationships are crucial. Before we dig too much into the text today, I want to ask you three questions. And I want to invite you to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart about these matters. First of all, are you allowing your mind and heart to take on the water of division because you are angry with people who do not agree with you over the pandemic, politics, and general problems? Is your marriage and family taking on the water of division over your selfishness? Do you have relationships in the church that are sinking or maybe that have sunk because you have allowed the water of division to come in? You and I, we, we can't control what other people do, but we are 100 responsible for what we do. And we have a responsibility to seek to make peace. Jesus gave us clear commands in how to do that. Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. It is a step-by-step guide in how to make peace. If you have disunity in your home, if there is disunity in in a relationship, you need to reach out and say, can we talk? Now, again, there are times you're going to reach out to people and and they're going to blow it off. I don't have time right now. You know... It's just not something I really am interested in doing. You know, let's just let bygones be bygones. And there's absolutely a a place biblically to overlook sin, to overlook the conflict and say, you know what? We're just not going to allow this to be an issue for us. But when there is an issue, to the best of your ability, you need to seek to make peace. And there's a step-by-step guide that that Jesus gives us. You go one-on-one and you talk it out. If that doesn't work, you bring other trusted people that both sides trust. If that doesn't work, you contact the church. And we have all of our elders and pastors and ministers are trained in peacemaking. And we are glad to come alongside and help in the process. Friends, we have got to be a strong, united people, a boat in this ocean. And we cannot allow the waters of division to get in amongst us. Instead, we must be connected. And that happens best in in groups when we are fulfilling the one another's commanded in Scripture. God's will is that we be united and be connected. Our text helps us understand what it is to be united and connected. So take note. We're to be united and connected by our place. By our place in God's kingdom and family. Look what it says in verse 19. You are no longer strangers and aliens. I don't know how that makes you feel, but that makes me feel really good. I remember going to church as a young person thinking, boy, I don't belong here. And I remember those fine people treating me with such warmth and love. And it really opened my heart to the possibility that I could belong. Now that I do belong, it is such a great blessing. I I am not an alien or a stranger to my God. 
My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I am known in heaven. And for every single person in this room, every one of us who've repented and believed the gospel, we have a place in heaven. We are no longer aliens and strangers to God and to the household of God. We belong. And look what we have now. You are fellow citizens with the saints. We have a citizenship in heaven. And by the way, that identity as citizens of heaven, that is first and foremost in our identity. Before you are an American citizen, before you are a citizen of Bowling Green, Kentucky, before you're a citizen of this planet, you, if you are saved, are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And that citizenship is to impact all your other relationships and connections in this world. We are to serve as ambassadors. We are not aliens and strangers. We are members of the kingdom of God. And even more than that, members of the household of God. Every single one of us were born orphans, lost in sin. Every one of us was born an orphan in sin out in the world on our own. But... By the grace of God and the power of the gospel, we have been adopted into the family of God. And so our place now is with the Lord. The Lord is our savior. He is our king. He is is our master and he cares for us. And friends, this is a great blessing, but it comes with a responsibility. Remember this, all the best blessings in the world come with responsibilities. And there's no greater blessing than than being accepted by God and to be a member of of his household and be a citizen of heaven. With it comes a responsibility that we love one another and that we be united and that we care for one another. We're a, a unique church in the world. Let me ask you, when you think about living hope, more importantly, when you talk about living hope, what do you say? I often like to ask our uh, realtors, hey, there's new people that moved in town. I told them about the church. Really, what'd you say? You know, and here's, here are the top three I get. Some say we are a large Bible-believing church. How many of you guys agrees with that? How many of you would agree with that? We're a large Bible-believing church. Yeah, we are. Some say we're a large mission-focused church. Yeah, yeah, we got, you know, counseling center, pregnancy center, started Hope House. We impact the international community here and around the world. Some say we are a large multi-generational church. Look around the room. Look at all the young faces, all the older faces. This is a multi-generational, large multi-generational church. But you know, I haven't read and I haven't heard, I haven't said what Jesus said we're supposed to be known. It says in John 13, 35, Jesus said, by this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Before we are known for anything else, we need to be known for loving each other. We need to make it our goal to be known as a loving, large, Bible-believing, mission-focused, multi-generational church. We need to be a loving church. This is what is described in the, of the early church in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. This was not socialism. 
This, this, was, this is what God commands of his family. This is not socialism because everyone there, they owned their resources. They were stewards of their resources. They were not being commanded or controlled by a bureaucracy that told them what they had to give and what they had to do. It was out of love. It was out of love and those relationships and the knowledge of the need that that people were able to care for one another. And that's what we're commanded to do. We are commanded to care for one another. And I will tell you, in the last 18 months, it's been so beautiful to see the members of Living Hope care for one another. The ones who've been cared for best are the ones who are in small groups. The ones who have those kinds of relationships. I can't tell you how many stories I heard of people who were diagnosed with COVID who got phone calls and said, hey, be sure and check out on your front porch. We, 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 we dropped off a ton of groceries. How many stories of, hey, brother, just want to let you know, I, I came by, I, I, I mowed your grass. Sorry about the flowers. <laughs> you know, there, <laughs> there was this love. There was this compassion. There was this care because there was a, the, a knowledge of the need. And then there was a meeting of the need because there was love. There was a relationship where the one and others were being fulfilled. Now, I don't know anyone that would say, I don't want this. No, 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 no. I don't want to love people. I want to be by myself in darkness, angry and depressed. No one says that, seriously. But you know what? Not everybody is willing to do what is necessary to gain these relationships. In order to have friends that care, you have to be a friend who cares. One of the reasons why some struggle to gain and sustain friendships is because they want, they just want and they need. They want to be defined by the people. They want the other people to give them what they, what they need and what they perceive to, to desire. They, they want everyone to, to go out of their way and to be able to supply whatever it is they feel like they need in any, any you know, moment. It's not biblical. You know who the people who have the most friends in the world are? They're the people who say, how can I serve you? How can I love you? How can I stand in the gap for you? It's when we give that we gain. Jesus said it like this in Luke chapter 6, 38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. Friends, we've got to be willing to be the friend that we want to have. That means sacrifice. That means unselfishness. That means service. And it takes time. It takes energy. And, and what we need uh, are, are the, are the, is the willing heart to do what we got to do. So if you don't mind, pull out the electronic bulletin that I, uh, that I asked you to open up earlier. And I want to challenge you this morning to do some very basic things. First of all, to get connected in a group. And let me tell you the best way to do it. So look on that bulletin and it says register for Rooted and Equipped. Go ahead and click on that. Rooted is the best way to get in a group. It's, a, it's an experience that will help you get connected with other people in a group. Uh, if you're already in a connect group, then, then get into an equip with your group. It, we're about to offer some great ones. Notice one of them is peacemaking. Some of you don't know how to make peace. Peacemaking is crucial. That would be a great one for your group to go through together for a few weeks. Just to break it up, just to mix it up. But 
Some of you would say, you know what? I was in a group. It's dissolved. It's, it's, it's not functioning where it needs to. You know, wh- what do I need to do there? We have women's events and men events that are great ways to be able to be catalysts to get men into fight clubs and women into flourish groups. But if, if you want to, you're a member, you're already involved, you're engaged in the life of the church, you just need to be in a group. Here's what I want you to do. Go back to the main page and click on prayer request. Fill it out and just say, I'm praying to be connected in a group. One sentence. And our connections pastor, Pastor Jeremy, will contact you. Now, I will tell you this. One of the reasons why we have so few groups is because we have so few who are willing to lead. Living Hope is one of the most gifted congregations in the world. People talk about us. People talk about the congregation and the health and the way God's used us. But I will tell you, one of the greatest problems we face are the leaders God's given us being willing to step up and to serve. Because I get it, you're busy and you've got other things. But friends, we don't, we do not want to be a church with small groups. We want to be a church of small groups. And for that to happen, we're going to need shepherds. We're going to need to be leaders. Some of you have forgotten more Bible than some people in this world are ever going to know. Some of you know and have experienced more of mentoring and love within a congregation. Some of you were raised in godly families. That makes you a leader. That gives you the responsibility to stand up and say, hey guys, we're going to get together. My family wasn't perfect, but we were in church and we loved each other and we're going to do some of what we learned there and what God's word says. We need leaders. We need people who will step up and say, I'll get connected. I'll be a part of it. That's what's going to create a healthy church. You got to join membership. Again, that's an equipped course, Discovering Hope. Next week, we're going to talk about service. But first of all, we've got to know, we've got to know our place. Secondly, we've got to know our foundation. We're to be unified and connected by our foundation on God's word and Jesus Christ. Look what it says in verse 20. Look what we're built on. We're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. That's the scriptures. What we believe is based upon the word of God. The Bible defines our beliefs and the way we live our lives are determined by Jesus Christ. We have articles of faith that that talk about what we believe. We have a church covenant that, that describes how we live and how we live is under the leadership of Jesus Christ. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a person... I'm a person that if you describe something or if I read maybe something uh, that I'm supposed to build or supposed to be able to fix, I can't do it. I need a YouTube video. Is anyone else like this? You can't read the instructions, but you can watch the video. Anybody else? Show of hands. Most of you are like, I don't do nothing. I'm not going to build anything. I, I need this. I need to be able to see it. Can I tell you what is true of more people in our world? They don't need more information about Jesus. They need a visual. Your children need a visual. Your friends need a visual. Your neighbors, your homes, your neighbors, and every generation needs a visual. What does it look like to be Jesus in your life? What does it look like to experience love in relationships where there's care and accountability? What does it look like? Friends, as a a person who wasn't raised in church, I couldn't imagine what this would look like for real. I mean, it sounded, it sounded silly. 
It's nonsense. People don't love like this. People don't care like this. Everyone's got their own problems. Everybody's got their own thing. They got to figure out your own way. You got to take what you can get and get as much as you can. That's what I was taught. That's what the world teaches. Jesus came and said, no, 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 no. There's love. We can love each other. We can forgive each other. We can strengthen each other. We can stand together. And when I saw it, I wanted more. I wanted to be a part of a place where people loved one another with the love of Jesus Christ. And it's built on the word of God and it's built by Jesus Christ himself, the cornerstone. And then we're to grow in it. Write it down. We're to be unified and connected by our growth as God's people and dwelling. We're to grow in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. That's what we are. We are growing more and more into this edifice that is the dwelling place of God. You know, in the Old Testament, if they wanted to experience God, they had to get to the temple. It's true today, except the big difference is we're the temple. And we're to grow together in groups. And we're to come to know Christ more and more. And his love is to permeate all that we are so that his life is on display for the world to see so that we can be blessed and so that we can be a blessing. Friends, that cannot do, that cannot happen if we are divided. Some of you need to seek forgiveness. You need to make peace. First and foremost with God and then with other people. You need to be willing to commit to step up to be engaged in the life of this church. Friends, that's where the blessing is found. You're responsible to do that before God. Let's pray that, that, that you will. Let's stand together as we pray. Father, again, we, we praise you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your word and what a privilege it is to, to be known by you, to be citizens of heaven, to be the, of the household of God. But Lord, I know there are some here today that that is not true of them. They're lost in sin. And so I pray that even right now that they would repent and believe the gospel. As our care leaders come forward, friends, if you don't mind to come forward, I know that there are some of you who are here right now who need Christ. I want to encourage you to do this right now, to pray this in your prayer, pray this in your heart to God. Say, God, I know I've sinned, but I know that Jesus died to pay for that sins to give me new life and ask right now for God to forgive you and to give you new life in Christ. And he will forgive you and he will bless you. Some of you, you are saved, but you're not being faithful. You're not connected. You're not living out the one another's. You're causing division. You're not serving well. Right now, ask God, just ask him, say, God, am I where I, am I what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I connected the way I'm supposed to be connected in a group? Am I, am I creating unity in my home, among friends, or am I the problem? And if you're the problem, tell God you're sorry and repent. Make peace and commit yourself right now to join a group. Some of you need to lead. Go ahead and commit to that. You know you're a leader. Go ahead and commit to it. Say, oh, I'm already in a group. They'll be fine. They've got a leader. You go lead. Father, we need your help. 
The world is it's getting out of control. But Lord, you are sovereign and you have chosen to work through your people to bring us together, to stand strong in the hope that we have. So Lord, would you do that today? Hear the prayers of those who come to speak to these leaders and God bring peace and hope as only you can. We trust you and ask you to do this in the mighty name of Christ our Lord. Amen.